This presentation was from Yorks Australia 2017, held in Sydney. For more presentations from this and other conferences, please visit yorksaustralia.com.au. Please join me in welcoming Andy Howard to the stage. Thanks, Andy. Dave, thank you. Hi, everyone. My name's Andy. I'm from a consultancy called The Village of Useful. I'm going to take you through a UX case study. This is real work. It is live right now, and customers have been experiencing it for about six months. There are some people in this room who worked on this project, so I'd like to acknowledge them. Jess, Dan, Alexis, anyone else I haven't seen yet, and also the rest of the team. There was a big project team involved in this to make it happen. This project started with a national network of used car dealerships and ended up with an entirely new way to buy and sell used cars. It's online driven, but the experience includes retail stores in Westfield. So this is quite a broad UX case study. Yes, we were working on online UX, we were also working on helping to shape the rest of the customer experience and every customer touch point. It was such a fun project and awesome to work on. So you'll hear about things like prototyping um, and customer research, of course, but we'll also cover things like art direction and branding, the rest of the things that were important. So Carzoos is by AP Eagers, which is a 100-year-old listed automotive retailing group. They own car dealerships all over the country under a range of different brands. Many of you and your families have probably had an experience with AP Eagers, sometimes without knowing it. They've basically been buying and selling cars the same way for 100 years. So going about car zoos was a massive change for them and a really big change for the industry. Just before I launch in, I should tell you that there was an announcement this morning from the International Business Awards. This is a worldwide program. Uh, it's been running for a long time. It had about 4,000 entries this year. So this morning it was announced that Carzoos has been awarded Most Innovative Company and it was also awarded Best Innovation at Australia's Customer Experience Awards this week. So what these awards are recognising is the commercial effectiveness of car zoos versus the rest of the industry. And I think this is a really important point to make because it shows that a great customer experience and a great user experience can ultimately drive really good shareholder value. So we're going to start with a quick activity. I would like you to shout out the words that come to mind when you hear used car dealership. Dodgy. Sleazy, yep. Is it a little bit gross, like you might need a shower afterwards? Is it scary? That's great, thank you. So we asked customers the same question. 
And this is what we heard. They told us it was stressful. They told us it was painful. They told us it was fearful. And fear way over-indexed. People would rather have root canal over walking into a used car dealership. That's a fact. So this guy up here, hi, welcome to my dealership. No thanks, I'd rather get my mouth drilled. (laughs) This is the problem that we were solving. And our mission was to remove every pain point from the customer experience. So this is a snapshot of the Carzoo's website. With Carzoo's, cars are brought to you. You can be at home, at work, at the park, wherever. Your car is taken to you. You have seven days to drive the car, and if you don't love it, you can just hand it back. You get a 175,000 kilometre warranty. That's a really long way. It's actually almost halfway to the moon. You get free vehicle insurance and a whole lot of other things have been wrapped around the experience of buying and selling a car with Carzoos. Dealerships are over. Customers don't like them, so they're gone. They've been replaced by retail stores, which are powered by iPads, extremely transparent. And these staff members you can see here, they are rewarded based on customer satisfaction, not sales commission. So how did we get from used car dealerships and root canal to this entirely new way? I'm going to run through a recipe, nine ingredients that we followed to get there. So firstly, co-creation. The real work for for this project happened on-site, in-person. It didn't happen in Slack or whatever online collaboration tool you might be using with clients and with teams. So from the outset, Kazu's really encouraged us to spend a lot of time on-site, and it became our second home. We were doing all-day sessions, all-day workshops, going through research together, collaboratively with clients and with everyone from the business we needed to speak to. We were mapping out user journeys, we were sketching together... And it was this philosophy of co-creation from our client from the beginning that made this possible. The second thing is proper financing. Why is this UX guy talking about financing? We see so many attempted big UX projects or big innovations like Kazoo's that are attempted with once-off budgets. And it's been our experience that to make lasting change organisations need to commit finances for a minimum three- to five-year term, and it needs to be protected and quarantined from the rest of the organisation. So we had a philosophy of co-creation. We had proper financing. It was time to actually get to work. So the very first thing that I did is I went and bought a car. So there's my dog sitting behind the wheel. He was a puppy back then. And so this isn't a 
customer walk through a 20-minute simulation of what it's like to be a customer. This was actually going and buying a car for real. And it was being as customer-like as possible. Most people choose to finance their cars, so this car was financed. We were replacing dealerships, so this was purchased from a dealership. And the point here wasn't to try to walk in the shoes of the customer for a couple of weeks and think that we could solve everything. This was about empathy, to build a relationship with the customer. We ultimately heard from hundreds of customers throughout this project. And by starting with empathy, which is where design thinking always begins, we went in with a shared understanding of the customer's world. That stress and that pain and that fear that they had told us about, it was starting to really make sense. Now, Google Trends might suggest that customer surveys are in decline. They're not as cool as the new prototyping tool and surveys just aren't very sexy. But for us, a customer survey was where we actually learned the most about the problem and we learned the most about the pain points that we were trying to remove. We also spoke with customer-facing staff. So we talked to sales and marketing, of course, but we spent most of our time speaking with call centres and with dealership principals, the people who actually stare customers in the eyes every day. And what we discovered with this survey is that when it's put together with the right intentions, when it's put together to mirror a design thinking interview, it actually gave us interviews at scale. So we heard from hundreds of customers in the time that it would take us to speak to a dozen. And the trick was making the survey really visceral. So digging into questions with customers and trying to get out of head reactions and get to heart reactions, really finding out what people love and what they absolutely hate, what they can't stand. And so what this gave us was this laundry list of problems. Customers told us about a whole heap of problems across hundreds and hundreds of responses. So this became our design brief. We took all of this customer insight with a lot of common themes running through it straight into design and we just got to work. We started design by fixing all of the problems first. We didn't spend much time sitting around thinking about what this could become. We just started by fixing the problems. So things like vehicle warranties and vehicle inspections, you hear 150-point safety check. What does that even mean? These, these were common, simple things that were coming up a lot. So they were the two things that we solved first. And on our vehicle design in the middle, we simply state what's in and what's out on the warranty, and we show a vehicle inspection report with check marks next to every item that a person has actually checked off on that car. They were two simple things to knock over quickly, and this helped us really build momentum fast. Once we had knocked over this whole laundry list of problems, we then started to act on hunches. So we had this hunch from the response that maybe people weren't as brand loyal with cars as we might think. This led us to creating this Kazoo's Concierge, which asks some lifestyle questions and finds the right car for someone in about two minutes. And this came about 
because it seemed the things that people really loved was that a car suited them and their lifestyle. There's enough space for the kids, a car seat, and for bikes on the weekend. So they were the sorts of questions that we included in this concierge. We took a lot of this insight straight from customers, packaged it up, and played it back in this little tool. So it was problems first, then we acted on hunches, and only then, once we had done all this work, did we start to, th to sit around and think more about the big picture. So it was like a problems-up design approach that we followed. Test, test, and test again. We favour testing really early with customers, and you will see in a minute just how early. And the idea here is to do it in person and make it moderated. We favour this approach over remote testing so we can continue with our design interviews as we go and keep digging into the problems that people tell us about. And we basically keep testing until nothing can be any simpler or clearer or more compelling. There has been some good talks at this conference about copy. We're paying particular attention to copy when we test and ensuring that the language we're using is the language of a customer and making things relevant to their world. The seventh point is to own a position. Why isn't brand always defined by UX? We were able to create a communications platform for Kazoo's of buy fearless, sell fearless. And the art direction included this little matador guy and a whole lot of other treatments to make this fearless world real for people. We took every opportunity to say, hey, everything you know about used cars, that's over. This is a place you can actually be fearless. We were tackling that fear and the root canals head on. So we got to shape this as we went. We weren't just doing UX and customer experience. We also got to create the branding. And this raised a question for us. It would have been a lot harder for us to do our job had we not had the opportunity to work on branding as well. So why isn't UX more often the custodian of a brand? Isn't it up to all of us to communicate what a business is all about, to build relationships with customers, to ultimately transact with them, to build loyalty and to build advocacy? There's been a study done on this uh, by Samson Lee. Some of you may know him from his work in customer journey mapping. He makes this really great data-driven case that brand should actually be the responsibility of the CXO rather than the CMO. It doesn't matter whether, you, whether or not you agree. There's some really interesting points to take away from this, and I'll, I'll have it on Twitter after this talk if you're interested. UX insights are greater than online. So this is a reminder to all of us just to stay mindful of who can benefit from all of the insights that you're uncovering throughout your UX work. So interestingly, when we were working across all of these customer touch points, things like retail design and what happens at a vehicle inspection, how this iPad app works, how powers the store, what happens when you call the call centre, what does the warranty book say, what do the explainer films say, all of these touch points, we kept going right back to all of the insights that we had gathered that would typically be gathered for just a UX project, UX research, and they were so valuable 
for shaping what the entire customer experience looked like. So that's a reminder. Who else can benefit from hearing these insights that you're coming up with throughout your UX research? The last point is to keep it disposable. Keep it fast. Keep it messy. Beautiful sketches won't move the needle, and they won't get customers involved. So we're going to close with a, another quick activity. Can I please get a show of hands for anyone who does any sketching in their work? And it can be as little as picking up a Sharpie and marking up someone else's design. Almost everyone. Leave your hand raised if your sketches are worse than this one. You're just being kind. These lines aren't even straight. This looks like it's been done by a 10-year-old. So this is one of my sketches. This is the first sketch for Carzoos. And here's where I tell you about my gift. Unlike many people at this conference, I can't draw very well. And this has done me a lot of favours throughout Carzoos and throughout other projects. Even if I want to really embellish and make something look beautiful, I can't really do it. So customers end up seeing things that look not much different to this during our early stages of testing. We put stuff that looks like this in front of customers. That took five minutes to put together. We get it in front, when I say we get it in front of customers early, we get it in front of them really early. Because here's the point. I've seen clients and customers really swoon over beautiful sketches and think it looks amazing, and sure it does. But I've also seen their reluctance to actually get involved and pick up a Sharpie. They don't want to mess up a beautiful sketch, which defeats the whole point of sketches in the first place. They're meant to be inclusive. They're meant to be lo-fi. They're meant to be disposable. You're meant to throw them away and move on. So we had these great moments when clients and customers would actually add to sketches like this and they'd be questioning labelling and they'd be moving things around. When something like this is on the table, it's fair game. Everyone feels welcome and it's really inclusive. And we add the fidelity as we go. Second from the left is a screen grab from our prototype, which is also really quick and messy. It's the minimum it can be to get a prototype in front of a customer. Then we move on and we iterate and iterate until we get to where we are today, which is on the far right. So there's the recipe. They are the nine ingredients that went in to creating Kazoo's. And after having just gone through this, it was an 18-month exercise um, from the first step to getting live. That's across the website and the retail stores and the call centre and shaping the whole customer experience. I can't think of anything better for creating a category innovation like Kazoo's than design thinking and user experience. Thank you for having me. We hope you enjoyed this presentation from UX Australia 2017. For more presentations from this and other conferences, please visit uxaustralia.com.au.